I think it depends, like anything in real estate, right? It really depends on your situation and what you're trying to achieve, you know, and, and just your outlook on things, I think. As well. It's all about the, it's all about the deal too, right? Like, uh, if I can get um, a single family home for 10,000 and it's worth 300,000, I'll buy it all day long. <laughs> well, if you can find yeah, those, I- send them my way. This is The Real Estate Podcast, a show by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let's hear from our host, Matt Teifke and Alex Kaufman. It's showtime today. The Real Estate Podcast gets a little bit WWE going, where you choke slam your opponents. Bari had us on his podcast, and it was exciting, high energy. Man, what a cool story! And he's a uh, he's a legend. He was going for WWE championship, working out in the local gym in the island that he grew up in. And uh, this was a fun one. He's a good guy to get to know. And uh, we never really had a WWE guy come on the show. I think you probably enjoyed that as well, huh? He is the first, and he's got the moves, and uh, he's a real estate investor, very passionate about uh, everything he's got going on. Great, genuine guy. Um, I know you guys are going to enjoy this one, um, so make sure you sit back, relax, and enjoy. All right, guys, let's talk about today's sponsor. Glenn LeBlanc and Supreme Lending have been serving the Austin market for 20-plus years. They are a local lender with in-house underwriting, so you're kept in the loop every step of the way. Whether you're doing a cash-out for home repairs or a first-time home buyer, Glenn makes the lending process smooth and easy to navigate. Always available and able to educate buyers along the way. Choose a local lender when buying your next home. Call 512-672-9472 anytime. And if you say you heard this ad on our podcast, Glenn will refund your appraisal if you use him. Definitely reach out to Glenn. Glenn is a personal friend of ours. The link to his website is in the description below. Now back to the episode. All right, Barry Griffiths, aka Mason Ryan, you're the man. Thank you for joining our podcast, man. We're we're excited. Uh, I had a blast. I know Alex probably had fun coming on your show, but man, you've you've been around. You've done some exciting things. Uh, we're honored to have you here, man. Honestly, and uh, would love to hear about your uh, your background, your career. You've got some crazy exciting things with uh, Cirque du Soleil and, and WWE. Uh, you know, it's a it's uh, really inspiring and uh, fascinating to look at from the outside. So it was cool with you, man. We'd love to just hear a little bit about your story and get to know you. And we'll just jump in and ask questions. We uh, just like to add value to, to our listeners and, you know, inspire entrepreneurs. And, and you obviously have done a lot. So we'd love to jump in, man, and hear a little bit more about you and your career. Yeah. Yeah. Let me try and condense on what make it interesting. Like we'll not, not give you the boring stuff. So basically grew up in small town, uh, Wales in the UK. Wales is a country. Um, it's kind of the forgotten country. I always say that everyone knows about England, Scotland and Ireland, but not, not everybody always knows about Wales, but we are a country. We have our own language. Grew up there. It's a tiny, tiny little town. And I mean, tiny, right? 200 people, no stoplight, three pubs, <laughs> which was pretty funny. So grew up there, but always wanted more. I always wanted more for my life. And I don't know where that necessarily came from, but I always knew that that small town wasn't where I kind of wanted to live the rest of my life for whatever reason. And to this day, I'm not entirely sure, but I just knew that I wanted more. I always strive for more. Um, <clears throat> grew up 
sports mad, playing any kind of sport that I could and eventually got into weightlifting and training and just loved that. Just loved that I would be training seven days a week, eat, trying to eat healthy. And I got to a point where I created a physique for myself. I was 6'6", 280 and I was like in the gym on a Saturday night, you know, and all my friends were down the pub getting hammered and I was like, well, you know, <laughs> that's not really the life I enjoy anymore. I would do it occasionally, but I was like, well, I'm dedicating all this time to, to training and I was working as, for my dad at the time, I was a carpenter, probably the worst carpenter in the history of the world because I hated that. Not, I, I'm not handy at all to this day. I don't fix anything. I don't do any DIY. I don't do any of that because I just really hated it for some reason. So I was the worst carpenter in the world, but I was doing that job and I just wanted more. So I was like, saw wrestling on TV one day and I was like, I think I can do that. Those guys kind of look like me that, you know, and I'm kind of athletic, kind of big. I think I can do that. So I went down the rabbit hole trying to find out how to be a wrestler, but I was in a small, tiny little town in the middle of nowhere. There wasn't really internet at the time. You know, you, you hadn't all this wealth of information. And luckily, a few months later, a tiny little wrestling show came to my town and I went there, met with a promoter. He saw the way I looked. We connected, had, you know, had a good talk and he said, hey, have you thought about being a wrestler? I said, well, actually, I kind of have. Um, so I started training with him, started wrestling in the UK. Um, <clears throat> so excuse me, wrestling over Europe. And then I got a gig for Gladiators. Um, so the UK version of US Gladiators, you know, when they have contenders and the Gladiators that fight them and they have all these events. So so I, I did that. I was one of the Gladiators called Goliath. So I did that. And then through that, I got in touch with WWE sometime, somehow. And I ended up going to one of their shows in London where they were there. And they signed me up pretty much there. And then I signed the contract and moved to Tampa, Florida, went to their training school in Tampa, Florida. And then a year later, I was on TV, made my debut on, on the Monday Night Raw, WWE Monday Night Raw, in front of, I think, probably 5 million people or something like that, which is kind of kind of crazy. And I was in that world for about, <clears throat> I don't know, a year and a half, two years after that on TV and stuff like that, and doing pay-per-views and you know, really living kind of a cool life. Been to probably every city in the US. Couldn't tell you, except, couldn't, couldn't tell you which ones I've been to, except if I went to the gym or the airport or the arena, right? That's, that's where you go. You don't see these cities, but traveled all over the world, did that, did pay-per-views, did, you know, wrestled John Cena, wrestled Kane, wrestled Randy Orton, wrestled some, some big names and did some cool stuff. And then that came to an end in 2014. And, and then wrestled independently a little bit and then, then got a job with Cirque du Soleil just kind of randomly out of the blue. I was living in Florida at the time, then packed all my bags and moved to Las Vegas. And this is where I'm now working for Cirque du Soleil at the show, uh, car at the MGM brand. Um, but where real estate came into all of this was in 2014 when it, WWE didn't renew my contract, which I was expecting to, and it just came out completely kind of out of nowhere, to be honest with you. I had just bought a house so I bought a house in January and then in April, they didn't renew my contract. And it was an expensive house. And I was like, oh, geez, this is perfect timing. You know, I couldn't really turn around and resell it without being at a loss. So I, and I didn't want to sell it because I loved the house and I didn't want to, couldn't emotionally bring myself to sell the house after losing my dream of WWE. So went down the rabbit hole of um, renting it out, of 
um, you know, finding out how how to find renters, how do you screen them, blah blah blah. You know, led me to bigger pockets. I think led me to rich dad, poor dad, and then opened this whole other world of real estate investing. And then since then, I've become hooked. I got just hooked by. It. I was just like, this is not only can it be a plan B, which I realized I needed, right? Because I didn't have a plan B. My plan A was to be the world heavyweight champion. Plan B was to be the world heavyweight champion. And plan C was to be the world heavyweight champion. I had no <laughs> other plan because I didn't need it, right? I didn't need it. I was going to be the world heavyweight champion. I didn't need any other plan. So then I realized I needed something else. But also I fell in love with real estate because also of the lifestyle that it can create for yourself, right? It can be whatever you want it to be, right? And you can create whatever lifestyle you want with that. So I fell in love with that. And I, 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 I it's kind of like when in the matrix, when Neo like decodes the, the code at the end and he's able to like dodge bullets and everything like moves in slow motion and he's able to see like that. that that's how it was to me when I realized about real estate investing, opened this whole other world to me. And I was like, wow, I just fell in love and dove in and I've just been kind of obsessed and addicted ever since. So, um, man, walking out in 5 million people, I want to ask about that in a second. But yeah. um, before I get there, like, learning about real estate, diving in and kind of understanding it a little bit different after some time of never thinking about it and being focused on wrestling. I'd love to hear your perspective on that first house you bought. Um, looking back, are you like, what the hell was I thinking? Or, or how do you view Not that I'm, I'm judging you by any means, no, but like, is it like, man, I just had no idea. Is that how yeah, you kind of like 100% it was. And actually I somewhat had an investment thesis in my head but i didn't knew nothing about investment i was buying it because i loved it but i was looking at properties on the water because for some reason i thought oh there's only a finite amount of water so if i buy water it's going to go up i think someone told me that and i was like okay that sounds like a good idea i'm going to do that so i bought this property on 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 water it was on a lagoon that went out to the sea that you could it had sea access but that was the only investment thing i the rest of it was like i like the layout i like the neighborhood I like the color of the walls. I like the kitchen. Like no, no, you know, no, nothing that really creates value, right? And I bought it maybe above what the value of the home was at the time, maybe because you know, it's just, just what I kind of did at the time because I was just like, okay, I, I love this house, and I really like, and now I was really at the far end of what I could afford in terms of what the, the loan they would give me. I put a, I put, I don't know. 30% down or something like that, 35% down just to make sure I qualified because I didn't have any credit history at the time either. I didn't understand credit at the time. This is how little I understand about finances at the time because I was brand new, right? I moved over here in 2010, had zero credit moving over here. And it wasn't like I had bad credit, but I didn't know how to build it either. So at that time, I think my credit was low 600s or something like that, trying to qualify for a $430,000 property, right? You know, so it was challenging. So yeah, I bought that with zero investment criteria really apart from it being on the water so looking back it was just didn't make any sense because for one the cdd fees was super high it was in a really nice neighborhood hoa fees was really high so even if i'd done the calculations right okay worst case scenario my my loan is this much what does it rent for can i still rent it out but no no i didn't even look at that didn't didn't even know to look at, at that right and it was just just a pure emotional buy like it was just a typical person that's buying a house that they want to live in kind of buy so i i knew i knew nothing whatsoever back then and like you said looking back i was like what was i thinking then i could afford it my monthly payment was 2550 2550 a month so it's and this was back in 2014 so seven years ago so it's maybe it doesn't seem that much now or it, it is a good amount 
But back then it was a lot. And I was making six figures at that point. So I was like, all right, I can afford this, right? I can, you know, you don't really think too much. It's like, okay, I can afford it. So I'm going to buy it. I'm going to pay it because I like this home. But looking back, yeah, I definitely would, would not have bought that. I would have done something different. And the thing that kind of sucks, you should never really look back, right? Because everything that, that's happened in the past brings you to where you are. But it's hard not to look back at Florida in 2014 and think that I couldn't have bought a killer, killer deal or two or three killer, killer deals at that time in Florida and Tampa in 2014. You know, I think it bottomed out about 2011, 2012 there fully. So I was still like just about coming off the bottom then. I could have bought some killer deals. Yeah. So, so that can be painful. But, you know, everything else is, you know, it leads me to where I am today. So you can't really look back too much. I don't yeah, care. man, absolutely. And, you know, I, I can imagine not getting that contract renewed and having the house is somewhat of a, a, a hard situation, maybe a low point. And it, it probably forced you to get creative and you found bigger pockets. And now you're investing in doing multifamily. And so, you know, maybe, like you said, everything happens for a reason. It's always easy to look back and maybe you would have bought those two properties and, and had those two rentals and then done something else and never got in more into real estate. So, you know, was that for you when you, you didn't get that contract renewed? Was that a, a dark place? Like, fuck, what am I going to do? And, and then you just had to get as creative as possible. And that's how you came across real estate. Um, a little bit of both. So, but you're right there for sure. I don't think I would be in real estate, um, be where I am. Maybe who knows, right? Who, who really knows, but definitely like challenging times and bad situations. If you don't let it, it can lead to other good stuff. I've interviewed so many people where they talk about something that negatively impact them but that led them down a path of getting to somewhere else right so i may never be here talking to you guys may never have found multifamily never invested in real estate apart from maybe living in a house and i would never really have figured out my finances and, and you know became a lot more financial financially literate so that so even though I, and plus another thing on that as well is that i'm home every day with i have a 16 month old son and my wife and i'm home every night and i can go to the gym in my local gym and i'm not traveling because when you're traveling with wwe you're gone five days a week you leave friday morning first thing friday morning four or five a.m friday morning you leave and then you get back wednesday afternoon so you, you don't even have a day and a half at home. And that day and a half, you still got to go to the gym, still got to cook all your food, still got to do your laundry, still got to pay your bills, got to take care of whatever, right? And it would have been, I could have done it and it you know, would have been cool, but I don't know how much I would have enjoyed it at this point, you know, doing that year after year after year, being away from home, being away from my kid, all that stuff. So not only did it lead me to real estate investing, but I think it essentially led, led to a better life for me, I think. And at the time, like you said, it was a dark time. It really was like, is it, is it, it was a point where I just really like was questioning like my life to some extent, right? Not in terms of a dark place, but in terms of like, who am I, right? Because I, I was at that point, just being honest, I was at the point where I was identified as a wrestler. I'm a wrestler. That's what I do. I'm going to be a wrestler for the rest of my life, right? And then all this comes crashing down and I had to be like, well, who am I? What am I going to do with my life? I'm 30. Well, how old was I? 32, 33. Like, what am I going to do with my life? And it wasn't necessarily a midlife crisis, but I had to do that. So that, you know, along with that, I kind of think, I think it opened up the world of real estate investing because also I was like, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? Okay. I would love to be a wrestler for my life, but how sustainable is that? Right. And that then brought me to sort of, I think along with the financial situation, 
thinking about real estate investing and being open to other opportunities because I wasn't before I was a wrestler that's what I'm going to do I don't need to do anything else I'm going to make a lot of money doing that I'm going to be fine don't need investment don't need a plan b don't need anything else but I think that point that low it was a low point no no doubt about it right my dream had come to an end but that led me to something else right and it's I think it's led me to uh, a much better place and, and to where I am today to where I'm very happy and everything is you know I'm a great I'm in a great place in my life I think you know and I don't think that would have happened without that so what essentially what I'm saying I guess is adversity and tough times if you if you really work through it and you figure things out it can really lead to so much so much more I feel like that's right man and it's never as uh it's never as bad as it seems when you're in that moment you know looking back yeah no it doesn't at the time it's terrible right you think right. the whole world comes crashing down but like you said when you look back it's like well really was it that bad like you know i had a roof over my head i had money in the bank i had all kinds of possibility you know i had my girlfriend at the time who's now my wife like there was so much to be thankful and it really wasn't that bad right it just needed some perspective but yeah that's so true so when you uh so after that, and you, you've got this house, you're working on renting out the, uh, the property, um, and you are on bigger pockets and you're reading rich dad, poor dad. Um, what kind of led you, you know, what was the path after that in real estate? Yeah. So I eventually, uh, rented out. We had a renter and I actually had to be negative cash flow. So I think I rented it out for 2,300. So I was about negative cash flow, about 250 plus any any expenses that I incurred at the time. So those, <laughs> that wasn't ideal, but I kept the hold of the property and I didn't really understand real estate and I thought, okay, this is just kind of what it is, right? And how it kind of goes. This episode is brought to you by Housemax Funding. Housemax is one of the fastest growing hard money lenders in America, specializing in loans that provide you the cash needed to fund flips, buying holds and ground up construction projects house max gives you the ability to compete with all cash buyers and increase your velocity by closing in seven to ten business days if you're looking for cheap hard money and a relentless originator who will make sure your deal gets funded call or text bryce tennyson today 512-627-6192 bryce is a great friend of ours he actually funds all of our hard money uh, loans and uh, he'll get the job done for you uh, so make sure you give him a call. Back to the episode. And I moved to Vegas in the end of 2015, uh, December 2015, and was definitely looking at properties there. But I was like, I don't know if I want to buy when I go there. Let me just rent. So I rented. And when I was here, I really dove into it. I really was listening to podcasts every day, reading Bigger Pockets every day, and got in touch with a, a real estate-friendly uh, investor here. And started looking at properties and found the property when I was still renting. So I bought an investment property before I bought a house to live in here. It was a townhome. I bought it for 173, but it was a foreclosure, fixed it up. Um, so it was about 10K into it and then rented out for about 1300. So it wasn't necessarily the 1% rule that everyone talks about, but it's still cash flow because I fixed it up. So it was a foreclosure, new flooring in, painted everything. It didn't need new bathrooms, new kitchens, but spruced up the, the, those places and everything had been kind of been done. So there wasn't much repair and maintenance. And the good thing about here in Vegas is there's no state 
uh, income tax, right? So, you, you, you know, it, it increases your margins there. And plus the landscape, it was a townhome, so I didn't have to take care of the landscaping and stuff like that as well. It was including the HOA fee was like about 95. So I think after all that, yeah, I cleared about $300 a month. And, and it really was usually about 300 because it was barely any repairs and maintenance. I had a great tenant. So everything kind of like that worked out. So I was like, okay, this is great. I still had that other property in, in Florida, even though it was kind of a little bit, Cash flow negative. I had that one, and then I bought a primary residence, which was another foreclosure that I was going to live in for a year, and then turn around and rent that. And you know, I I thought so at that time, I still wasn't that aware of of real estate, right? In terms of knowledge and stuff, I thought you just buy multi uh, single family homes, you buy them on the MLS, um, you put twenty percent down, and, and then kind of that's how it goes, right? But I figured I I knew that you need to figure out what you're freedom number was right what your number you wanted to get to so i knew i needed to reverse engineer from there so i i figured out i needed uh 40 properties at 40 single family properties uh cash flowing 250 uh per door um putting 20 percent down or you know so that would be four and my goal is 10 years so four properties a year for 10 years three of them i would buy 20 percent down and one i would buy owner occupied every year right that's what that was my unrealistic and sort of I don't want to say stupid, but just what I understood at the time, right? And I was like, okay, this is going to... And I was trying to figure out, how do I save every, every last penny? Can I make a little bit more? What can my wife do to make a little bit more money? Because I need, I knew what the average median home price was here in Vegas, roughly, and what I was going to pay, and then what I needed to buy. Because that's what I knew. And then one day, someone opened the world, opened up my eyes to multifamily investment and basically said, hey, you know, you can get to $40 in one property, essentially. I was like, whoa, <laughs> okay, so I don't have to wait 10 years and save every last penny and blah, blah, blah. So, and obviously every, all the other aspects of multifamily that I really like as well, you know, like, you know, you have the classic, right? If you have a hundred dollars and one person goes empty, you're still 99% occupied. You have one, one property and, and one person goes empty, you're hundred percent, you know? Plus I like the, in multifamily as well that you're in more control because if you control the NOI, the net operating income, you know, increase the rents, reduce the expenses, you you increase the value of that property regardless of comparable sales in the area right it's just you, you it's just more control which i really liked love it so i, I got a quick question for you so now having uh, your world opened up to the beauty of multifamily do you think you'll ever buy a single family rental again yeah yeah actually because a few things one i like the idea of buying one property and living in it for a year and then doing that so I, what my thing is with that is if i buy a 400 grand home here in vegas every year for five years that's a two million dollar portfolio that i bought with five percent down of that right and that you know as long as they're cash flowing a little bit that can be my nest egg that's you know paid off over 30 years that's two million even if it doesn't go up a, a cent in value that's two million dollars there that I've, uh, I've created so definitely doing looking to do that now but my main focus is definitely multifamily. Um, definitely multifamily, yeah, for sure. And I'm, I'm also looking a little bit um, into to buying some Airbnbs, but just a couple because there's a thing called a vacation rental loan that you can get in with 10% down. So I wouldn't take too much of my time. I would just buy a property, maybe try and get it below market, buy it on the MLS and just do an Airbnb with it. But that's not going to be taking my focus. I mean, you know, that's, as you guys know, I'm sure, right? It's important not to be all over the place and keep your focus on one thing. So I, I am still interested, but I'm not going to be spending a lot of time with it. You know what I mean? So, cause I think it's, it's a good balance as well, right? You can have some single family homes as well that, um, 
you're, you own and you control. Um, with multifamily, the bigger you go, the more you need to partner and bring joint venture partners or you know do a syndication. And, and it's not necessarily the same amount of control. Even though you can make more money and, and grow more, it's not the same level of control. So I think it's nice to have a little bit of a balance. But you're definitely very focused on multifamily. Got it. I love it. Well, uh, you didn't answer Alex, the way I thought you would. Alex, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. He's try- what he was trying to do right there is set you up for what him and I debate on. Okay. Hours and hours. And Which one is better? You, yeah. Well, not necessarily. Because um, you you didn't answer the way he wanted you to. So I win this debate. <laughs> Well, but, well, you know, what did you want me to answer? What did you, what, what did you, what did you think? He, he, he wanted you to say, no, you're, you're never going to buy another single family home. It makes sense to put all your money into multifamily and where you live, you're going to be a renter because you're going to make more money on saving on not owning <laughs> that house and putting that money into multifamily. Uh, but you answer the way I agree, which is have a mix, uh, you know, ha- get that investment property, get, get the personal residence, save on the taxes, have some diversity and I get both sides. I, I don't knock him for the way he thinks uh, everyone's, you know, got a different approach and, and he's not wrong, but we debate on this for hours and we've never come to a conclusion. Uh, yeah. I think it so, depends. I think it depends, yeah. right? It's like, I get it. You rent, so you don't have any money invested in that property. Right. But for me also depends what you're going to do with that property. If you're going to live in that property for the next 20 years, maybe it's not a bad idea to rent because you're not going to ever get any income for that. You're probably not going to sell it. Right. But with, with me, with what the way I see it, I, I, I have no problem moving every year. Luckily I have a wife that's okay with that. If I didn't, that would be maybe a little bit different. So I'm going to get in with 5% down, right? If I buy a 400 grand home, right, that's going to be 20 grand that I buy that home with, right? That's not a lot of capital. It's some, don't get me wrong. 20 grand is still 20 grand. I'm not saying that it's not a lot of money, but it's not a huge amount to buy. It's a 400 grand home. So, and, and just what, you know, do that once a year. So I can get in with low money down. Now, if I had to put 20, 25, 30% down, my, I think I would think very differently because I would rather that capital be in multifamily, but I feel like it's such a low hanging fruit. I like low hanging fruits. I don't know about you guys, but it's such a low hanging fruit to me that I can get in with 5% down. You know, even, even if I buy on the MLS, just buy something that needs a bit of work that, buy it for 5% under market, which I don't know if I can even do right now, to be honest with you, with how hot the market is. But, you know, it's such a low-hanging fruit. But I also get the other argument of that you want your work money always working for you. Because if you have an, a, a property that you live in that you own, you're, you're, you're um, number one, you have some capital invested in it, right? You probably have equity that's stuck in it as well. But you've also got to fix it up. Any problem that happens, any repairs and maintenance, the roof goes, the water heater goes, the HVAC system packs up, right? You're responsible for that, right? Whereas if you're renting, you know, you never want anything to break because we're landlords ourselves, right? We don't want to, you know, something to go that, but it's not your problem, right? You just say, hey, Mr. Landlord, this broke. Can you fix it, please? You know, so I, I get both sides of the argument. The Real Estate Podcast is sponsored by Doyen Inspections. Doyen is a team of female professional home inspectors that serve the greater Austin area. Whether you are buying a resale, building a new home, or about to list your home for sale, the ladies at Doyen Inspections can inspect your home. They provide a color-coded and thorough inspection report full of images, videos, and explanations. Visit Doyen, that is D-O-Y-E-N-N-E, inspections.com for more information or give them a call at 512-655-9940.
Now back to the episode. I think it depends, like anything in real estate, right? It really depends on your situation and what you're trying to achieve, you know, and and just your outlook on things. I think as well. it's all about the it's all about the deal too, right? Like uh, if I can get um, a single family home for ten thousand and it's worth three hundred thousand, I'll buy it all day long. <laughs> well, if you can find yeah, those, I, send them my way. Well, a couple of things. I, I think that there's more opportunity, in my opinion, at least from from the way I view things, is to to find the value in the single family homes. And that's in our market in Austin, Texas. There's a, there's very few apartments and they're extremely competitive where you can go find these houses at a massive discount on single family. And like you said, if you're putting a 5% down payment, let's, let's just keep it simple. Say a $400,000 house and you put 10% down 40 grand and that property goes up 10% in that year, which there's a good chance that it would. Well, you just doubled your money in one year or two years. And then the other thing is if you're a renter and like you said, you know, we don't want these things to happen to a house, but the expenses that come up, I believe at the end of the day, you're still paying for those. You're going to get a rent bump, you know, something's going to happen. Um, and cause ultimately the, the way I view it is you're either paying your mortgage or you're paying someone else's. And that's, that's, you know, I know that that's not the exact answer, but that's some things that stick out from, from everything we just said. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if they could, but if, if you're at market rent already, they, even, they can't bump rents more than market rent. You know what I mean? They can do maybe a 3% increase, but it's going to be hard for them to say, Hey, I, my, the water heater went out last year and, and there was a leak. So I'm going to go from 1400 to 1550. Cause I need to cover for that. Even though the market is 1450, they, they're not going to be able to do that. I don't think, you know, but I, I, I do. Get yeah, you're, you're right. It's all right. I think, I think we can all just agree that it's better to rent <laughs> by multifamily. <laughs> but what I like about multifamily is I think you do create more wealth though. Cause it's usually, and I'm talking about, you know, 15, 20 plus units here. Right. You know, I'm not talking about a two or three family, right. I think, you know, if you're, you're talking 20, 30 units, right. We're talking probably millions of dollars here. And with that, I think you can create more value if you buy, right? Okay, you go on LoopNet and buy just whatever you see. It's not necessary. But if you buy, right, I think you're able to create a lot more value and create more wealth with that. But also, trust me, I, I see both sides. I both, I like single family. I like multifamily, even though I'm mainly focused on multifamily. We need to we need to keep this going. We get we need to move this to Clubhouse <laughs> and have this debate on Clubhouse. Yeah. Hey, man. So. Uh, Talk to us a little bit more about, uh, you know, other than real estate, we always talk real estate and we love it and, and people can reach out to you directly to hear more. And, and I'll ask you at the end how people get a hold of you. But I want to hear about walking in front of 5 million people and, and Cirque du Soleil and performing like is you get a rush every time you do this and you love that feeling. What, what's it like? Well, when you when you walk out, like you said, in front of five million people on wrestling, it's five million people at home, obviously, right? So it's not necessarily it's just a camera lens. So all you're looking at, you, you you kind of get an idea, but that's hard to fathom, right? Five million people, and you don't really think about it. It's it's the audience is usually about I don't know between twelve and twenty thousand, depending on the on the arena. So it's about, it's more about the people to some extent, but also what I found as well is you're so focused on what you're doing. You don't really pay attention to what's going on because obviously you're nervous. You know, I was just starting out, you know, even a year and a half in, right. I'm still kind of new at that point. You, you still get nervous. You're still focused on what you're doing in that ring and the training that you had and what you need to do and what you're trying to achieve. 
um, in that match. So you're so focused on that. You don't always get a chance to even think about like what's going on. You're in character. You're focused on what you've got to do in the match. So you don't even necessarily see the 20,000 people on there. You see them, of course, but you just blink. That's how I was anyway. It didn't really affect me. And I never once thought, oh, shit, there's 5 million people watching at home. I've got to make sure I don't mess up. I just didn't want to mess up in general. So it, it's an interesting dynamic that because you need to be focused on what you're doing. It's hard to imagine anything else and see anything else right you do pay attention and you know i'm not saying that it's completely invisible all this crowd that's around you but it, it, it you know it is a rush there's no doubt about it and the live events actually is where more the rush was to be honest because right. on live events they're not filming it you know because usually what happens is you on friday saturday sunday you do what they call live events it's non-televised it's just in front of the people that are there so the pressure isn't as much right you don't have to get every perfect because of camera camera never lies right there's no forgiving <laughs> if you mess up in front of a camera but if there's something that's not quite right in a match in front of an audience in a just just in a, an arena it's not the same and the pressure's not the same and you're able to also play to the crowd a little bit more whereas when, when it's tv you're just focused on doing that for the tv it's a tv show right it's not it's a tv show with a live audience when a, when you're doing a live event it's for that live audience so you're catering to them all so you're able to pay attention more you look around you you pan to their audience so that was always the fun part to me was 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 in front of a live audience like that and then fast forward to Cirque du Soleil I enjoy Cirque du Soleil I love it actually it's great but the the crowd participation isn't the same. You're not playing to the crowd. You're always just playing a character in that show, and you're always standing here. There's always something slightly different because you play with your character and you play with how they feel and all that stuff. And it's you know an evolution. And there's always something going on. But essentially, ten times a week, I'm standing here. I'm standing there. I'm walking here. I'm doing that. Now I might be thinking different things as a character, but it's very much the same. And it's not the same as you do a move in a wrestling match and the crowd goes, whoa, you know, they don't really, in, in Cirque, they more just clap at the end of an act or something like that. And they don't always do that. So it's not quite the same rush, to be honest with you. Even though I, I love the job and I love what I do, it's not quite the same rush. That's pretty uh, versatile. Is there, has there, can you think of anyone or is it common for anyone to go from WWE to, to Cirque du Soleil? I mean, uh, no, that's. Yeah, it's pretty random. It's pretty random. You might be the only one ever. I, th I think so. I don't know for sure, but I think so. Um, but I was lucky. So I'm not acrobatic at all. For anyone who knows Cirque du Soleil, they might think, my God, this guy is acrobatic. He was in wrestling. But I'm not really. I can do I can do a forward roll, maybe a backward roll on a good day. But our show is very... Um, um, there's a lot of choreographed fight scenes in the show. It's an Asian-based show, so there's a lot of mixed martial arts. So essentially, all I do is I play a character in the in because the, ours has a storyline. And I do fight scenes, choreographed fight scenes. So there's no acrobatics on my So luckily, I wouldn't fit into... I think this is probably one of the very few shows that I could actually fit into in Cirque du Soleil because the rest are very acrobatic, very sort of circus. They're a circus, right? They're a circus show, essentially, that's just been magnified 10 times and made into spectacle. Yeah. What, what about um, any, any, like, amazing memories or big mistakes that you think of when you, you think about that WWE career, any, any uh, cool aspects uh, that, that really stick out for you? 
the the coolest aspect I think for me or the coolest moment for me was for anyone who's a wrestling fan there's a thing called the Royal Rumble and it's basically where everyone gets in the ring and everyone's trying to throw each other out whoever's left standing is there and it's like one of their biggest pay-per-views and it has been in history so as part of that Royal Rumble it was in the Boston TD Garden right where there's I think where the Celtics play so huge place 20,000 people massive massive Boston people like rat loud and, and you know like ruptures and just enjoying it so there was a point in the match where a famous wrestler called Booker T was going to come in um, and we were going to throw him out. And I knew this was going to happen. We were in the match, we were doing the things, blah, blah, blah. And like I said, focus, you don't think about it. And I kind of forgot about what was going to happen to next to some extent because I was too busy doing what I was doing now, right? You can't, can't think about what's next when you're doing something right now. So anyway, that happened. And then we kind of had a moment where we were kind of stopped for a second and he was going to come out and he came out. And they didn't know that he was coming. And the place just went nuts. 20,000 people just going absolutely ballistic, which was amazing itself. But the cool thing it was, because I was part of like a group, there was like five of us, I think. Um, we were just, we, we had the moment to enjoy that because we were standing in the ring waiting for him. Usually you're too busy doing stuff, like I said, and focused. That was a point where not only were the people going crazy and there was so much noise, like the loudest noise I've ever heard in my life, but we had a second to enjoy so we could like, you play your character, right? you're looking loud, like you're mad and you're, you're angry at the crowd for enjoying this. But reality, I'm looking around and just seeing people in row Z right at the top, like beers are going everywhere. They're high-fiving each other. Like kids are like screaming their lungs out. It was just so cool because not only were they loud, but I had the chance to really soak that in. I think that was like probably one of my favorite coolest. That's movies. cool, man. That's a, that, yeah. that, I can kind of envision it the way you're telling it. That's awesome. Uh, well, hey, man, like what, you know, we only have a couple minutes. We got a little timeline on our deal sometimes, but what, what are ways people can reach out to you? And, and just to be clear, like you are uh, raising capital for multifamily uh, investments. Is that correct? Yeah, we have. Uh, yeah, I'm involved in the group. There's uh, four of us. We call uh, team and we have we've actually there's a wrestling. There was a wrestling stable called Four Horsemen before so we stole that name with us four of us we call ourselves four horsemen capital um so you can go check us out for horsemancapital.com but also personally i have uh, my podcast um I have youtube i have instagram the best the best place to find out more about me is to go to wrestlingwithrealestate.com um so if you guys go there you know there's all the information that's there so wrestlingwithrealestate.com is the best place to go and uh, maybe you'll catch him on Clubhouse one of these days. But I'm gonna be. Uh, I'm joining right, right after we get off this call. You got me hooked now. I'm. I'm. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be on there. Cool, man. I hope to see you there. Um, you know, it's really cool to hear about your career. I know there's a lot more to it, but uh, love it, man. And uh, excited for you and, and your family and the journey in real estate. Uh, we're here to help out. You know, before we sign out, is there any way that the listeners can uh, add value for you, or any last things you want to touch on? No, just if anyone wants to find out more, I have a podcast myself called the WWRE Podcast, which stands for Wrestling with Real Estate Podcast. So if you guys want to check that out, go to go to my Instagram, uh, WWRE Podcast, and go there, check me out. And just, no, just reach out to me if you have any questions or just want to chat. I love real estate. I, I love talking probably. That comes through. You didn't uh, <laughs> So just reach hey, out. There's, there's no one at the local gym that can outlift you, right? <laughs> there probably is I'm getting old now it's just turned 39 <laughs> I'm not as strong as I used to be back in the day probably not <laughs> well thanks so much for your time man you are the man we appreciate it thank you guys this is awesome